Hey, good morning, y'all. I'm kind of impressed you came out today. We, uh, we did a good job getting the heat on in here, but not outside. I'm sorry about that. I think it was like nine degrees when I woke up. I mean, just anyway, you're here. God bless you. Um, as Morgan said earlier, wherever Morgan went, we are, uh, we're wrapping up our sermon series today on the attributes of God. And if you, you didn't hear last week's sermon, Morgan um, preached on the goodness of God. And it was an incredible sermon. I mean, I'm not surprised, but it was just amazing. I had a, a woman come up to me one time and she goes, oh, Pastor Steve, that sermon today was your Magna Carta. She meant to say, I think, magnum opus, but anyway. It's, but so, Morgan, that was your Magna Carta wherever you were. That was just a great sermon. And so today we're going to end with a, a message called uh, or titled, God is Worthy. And so the, the million-dollar question that we're going to answer today is simply, is, is that true? Um, is, is God worthy of our worship? Um, does God deserve our affection, our devotion, and our obedience? Um, should we be doing what we do every week here? You know, should we be singing and praying and preaching about God? Um, is it right for us to go all in, just all in on God and, and build our whole lives around Him? So that's what we're going to try and tackle today. Hopefully we'll do a good job of that. Um, but before we get there, I just point out a, a universal truth about people. Maybe many of us know this, but uh, all people are worshipers. Um, whether or not you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, go to church, read the Bible, um, we are all worshipers because worship is defined as deep heart devotion to someone or something. So that's kind of the, you know, Cambridge or Webster definition. And I, I think if we all stop for a minute, we can all name other people who are devoted to other things. Um, you know, we can look out and go, you know, those teenagers with their video games and cell phones, or, you know, my next door neighbor who can only talk about his stuff, you know, his new Mercedes and his brand new boat, or, uh, you know, Morgan Smith who stands around the office all week blowing kisses to himself in the mirror. I mean, it's just, we all know people like that, right? But, but all of that is to say, it is a wise thing for us to stop every now and then and just consider the things that we give our hearts to. Um, I've, I've, you know, we've all been in probably church services before where a pastor just takes this opportunity to beat us up over all these loves in our lives. But it, but it is wise to just think about what you give your heart to. What, are you, what, are you, what is your deepest devotion out there? Um, I learned this, this is a painful lesson um, one Christmas as a child. Um, I remember I, there was this one thing that I wanted. And I mean, I wanted this one thing. And so I went to my dad and I said, Pops, if you will get me, if you will just get me this. I had it circled in the catalog because we did that back in the old days. If you'll give me this, I will never ask you for anything ever again. And you know, coming from a six-year-old, that's a promise that's going to be kept, right? So, so I asked him for this thing, and then my life changed. One Christmas morning, when I came downstairs, and there it was, Stretch Armstrong, <laughs> the greatest toy of the 70s. Um, does anybody know who Stretch is? Does anybody not know who Stretch is? Okay, good, because uh, we're going to introduce you to Stretch Armstrong. Check this out. 
believe I wanted that thing. Is that, that's how bad the 70s were. They were that green, first of all, but that, that was it. I mean, that was the toy of like 1976. And so I got this thing and I was so excited. And a couple days later, me and the neighborhood crew, I had this little crew of, of friends, me, Chad, I still remember their names, WC and Chris, each one of us took Stretch Armstrong and we pulled as hard as we could, right? We had them all stretched out, and then we leaned back with our body weight. And next thing you know, there are four little boys on the ground. One head stretches arm, a leg, another arm, and then I think I had stretches leg and his trunk and his head with it. And you know what I learned? I learned the painful lesson in that moment that Stretch Armstrong was not worthy of my devotion. <laughs> he was not worthy of, of my worship. He was just overrated. And, and, and it might be a silly example, but it does make the point that people and things can't satisfy us. Um, people and things just really are not worthy of, of our devotion. And, and people can be beautiful and strong and talented and just amazing leaders. Things can be shiny and entertaining, but again, they, they can't satisfy us. We can't worship the ground that they walk on, not really, or sit on for that example, if it's a thing. Um, but there, there is no earthly or human thing that can do that. And so, and by the way, that is what worship boils down to for us. Um, it is bowing to someone who is worthy, who is deserving of our hearts, our lives, everything that we are. And um, so, again, uh, people and things are out, but we've got this question before us, is God worthy? Is God worthy of all that we are? We will answer that question from three different angles after we pray. Let's do that. Father God, we, <clears throat> we stand before you, we sit before you, we are before you today, the God of the universe. And Lord, you call us to worship, you call us to, to give everything that we are to you, and so today, we just pray that if there's anything in the way for us of, of worship, any wall that is between us and you, um, whether we just don't know or we, we really do have some kind of an obstacle, we ask today that you would set us free, um, that you would lead us into to these green pastures of life with you and full and, and just a heart that is abandoned to you, God. Lord, you are worthy. We know that before we even start this message, but help us to get there each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, is God worthy? Really worthy? I've said there are three angles. So here's angle or reason number one. Um, it happens to be the sermon series that we've just gone through. Uh, we have spent 10 weeks looking at the attributes of God, okay, or the character and the competency of God. So let's just do a quick review and see if maybe just from this viewpoint, God is worthy. Uh, week number one, we talked about God being infinite. All right, you remember what infinite means? It means unlimited. 
God is dependent on nothing or no one for his existence or his life. It's pretty amazing. Week number two, God is immutable. And that means God never changes, meaning God never grows in his knowledge or his strength. He never weakens. Who he is right here, he always is. He, his character and his competency never changes. Uh, week number three, God is omnipotent. He rules all things with all power. Week four, God is omnipresent. All of God is everywhere all at once. I know that's a mind blower. I, I hear your minds blowing the same way they did the week we did this. So, it, so when God says, I am with you, and that is repeated over and I'm with you everywhere, always. I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. It comes out of this. Um, God is omniscient. He has all knowledge, all wisdom, and all understanding about all things. So you'll never run into God and have him go, oh, how about that? He, he, he already knows. Um, week number six, God is eternal. He always was. He always is, and he always will be, without beginning, without end. Uh, week seven, God is holy, sinless, perfect, pure in all things. Uh, week eight, God is faithful, meaning he is true to every promise he ever makes us in Scripture. Week nine, God is love. And so everything that God does, even when he corrects us, he does in perfect love. And in week number 10, God is good. He always does what is right, and the outcome of his plan is always the best. So from the attributes alone, is God worthy of our praise? Might God be worthy of our hearts and our lives? I think, I think the only way you could argue that, that maybe not is just if you haven't experienced it. Or perhaps if you're going through something so hard right now and so difficult that it makes you wonder. And there are people like that in Scripture. You know, we see people like Job who starts off, God is praised no matter what. But the, but toward the end of the book, he's, he's really questioning some things. Sometimes that happens in our lives when, when we go through stuff like that. The thing is, though, hindsight, and you see this a lot in the Psalms, when we're going through it and we really wonder, that list against, you know, these, these uh, uh, you know, facts of the faith versus the, the facts of my life, I don't know. In hindsight, what happens? You get through the storm and you look back and you realize he was there all along. He was doing the impossible in my life all along. So that's angle number one, just God's character what he is capable of, and what he does. Then there's angle number two. Now, for angle number two and three, we're going to go to the end of the Bible, okay? So we're going to go to Revelation chapters four and five, and here John is writing, uh, he's writing about a vision that he has, and it's a vision of heaven, and here's what he says. Try and picture this if you can. John says, in the center, around the throne of God, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. 
The third had the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Did, did anybody try and see what we were reading? Um, that is quite a scene, isn't it? I mean, it is a wild scene, but especially those four living creatures with eyes all around who, and remember, this is important that we get this, they continually, day and night, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then we have those 24 elders who every time the four living creatures say that, the 24 elders hit the deck, right? With crowns in hand and they lay them before God, saying, God, you're worthy. And there is something they are praising for. And Travis, you got this. You said this at the beginning. There is a theme of their worship in Revelation 4. And it's creation. They are praising God for creation. All right, so in other words, looking out at the Rocky Mountains or a beautiful day like today, every natural thing, and they are just giving God praise for it. They never stop. There's just this, it, it's a worship service with no beginning and no end, just blessing and thanking God before for his splendor and his majesty and his splendor and majesty in creation. They are just blown away by what God has done. Every created thing and Every created being, they're just caught up in this, Lord, you are worthy. Okay, so that is angle number two, but it doesn't stop there because when you go to the next chapter in Revelation 5, um, there happens to be another theme as this worship service goes on, and it's an even higher and greater reason to worship God and why God is worthy. Listen to this, uh, verses 6 through 14. John continues, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, <clears throat> standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. <clears throat> and they sang a new song. Hold up, let me get some water here. <clears throat> I can do that, right? Because this song is too good to, to choke your way through. And they <clears throat> sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased 
for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every, every living creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise, and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Did you hear the reason? Um, an amazing scene. I could preach, by the way, on Revelation 4 and 5. We, we could preach about that all next quarter. We could go months and months and months preaching about the imagery. But I just want to point out a couple of things to us um, that, that are crucial here. Number one, in this vision, Revelation 5, is the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. Okay, very good. Wow, good job, class. Good job. Jesus. Also note that the worshipers expand here. Um, in Revelation 4, we have four living creatures and 24 elders. Uh, in Revelation 5, we have uh, four creatures, 24 elders, and then a minimum of 100 million angels. That's 10,000 times 10,000. But also every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, in the sea, every single thing that is living and has a voice is worshiping God for one reason. And the reason is the cross. It's what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. They are caught up. In, they're just mesmerized and energized by the cross in the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died to set us free from Satan and sin. Jesus died and he changed our status from prisoners. Locked in a cell, condemned for all of eternity. Jesus, by his blood, has bought us back for God. And, and he's changed our status from prisoner, and this is cool, from prisoner to priest. And there's actually a reason why you, you don't see uh, prisoner to child of God or prisoner to disciple or uh, disciple or follower or apostle. Priest is very important here because a priest lives a life devoted to the worship of God. A priest, like if you look in the Old Testament, their whole lives are about worship, about leading in worship, about pointing people toward God. And so all of creation is just worshiping like this in Revelation 5 because Jesus has done this for us. And again, Jesus didn't do it with an army. You know, let's go storm the gates and get those people back. He didn't do it with an army. You know, he didn't do, it's not like the scene in Cinderella, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, magic wand, bippity-boppity-boo, no magic wand. Jesus did this with his blood. He was slain as a ransom for each and every one of us. And because of that, all creation praises him forever. 
They just can't stop saying thank you. They, they, they can't stop just rejoicing in this new life and this fullness and this love and light that have come. They can't stop. And here's another fun little twist about the worthiness of, of Jesus and Revelation 4 and 5 is that Revelation 4 and 5 actually shows up one other time in Scripture. Um, it, it happens another time. It's easy, maybe kind of easy to miss it, but it, it shows up again in cruder fashion, just meaning with earthly symbols and, and, you know, and, and furniture and people and things. It actually shows up again on Christmas night. On the night that Jesus was born, there is a reenactment of Revelation 4 and 5 as a star like no other shines heavenly light. And it calls people to come and worship this same Jesus from Revelation 4 and 5. So it calls out, and some people respond. You remember the shepherds? You know, I, I always want to put in some cartoon noise with the shepherd. They're out there with sheep, and they're just gone. They take off to go find the Christ. So you, you have the shepherds, and then you also have a whole bunch of angels, right, which show up. Angels, an army of, of angels, like a choir, show up filling the nighttime sky, saying or singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those with whom God is pleased or, or who are under God's favor. And then, by the way, some Foreign dignitaries come sometime later, right? And these are people that are very important, kind of like those 24 elders. And they come not with crowns, but bringing gifts to honor Jesus. And it's just, just an incredible thing. In fact, it's so great, we could spend like the next four weeks talking about all this, right? I got an idea. Let's call it Advent. What do you think? Uh, it's brilliant. Let's do it. But, but we'll do that. But the one thing I want to point out today, without getting into the whole Christmas story, what I want to point out to you is what the angel say. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Let's start with those uh, with, with whom God's favor rests. Who, who might that be? Someone said us. Mick, was that you? Okay, Jane. All right. Jane gets the prize today, okay? But we, we, are those, we are those on whom God's favor rests. By accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that prisoner exchange has happened, right? Priests, we're the ones on whom, whom God's favor rests, and, uh, or His peace rests. And what that means for us in this season, especially in the world we live in, just hear this. No matter what is happening around you, no matter what is happening to you. And let's stop there. Can we all acknowledge that some things happen to us on this planet? There's a lot of things happening around us here. You know, some of it is self-inflicted, okay? I mean, we can be that honest today. But, but no matter what is happening to us or around us, the promise is there doesn't have to be war in here. There doesn't have to be conflict in here because of Jesus Christ. God's promise to us, because of Jesus in our lives. God's promise is serenity within. It is a tranquility. The Bible calls it a peace that passes understanding. You know what that means? 
And meanwhile, everybody else is, you know, freaking out and flipping out over what they just read and, you know, what happened over here on this block or, you know, the, the, the latest thing that happened to the person we all know. While everyone else is freaking out, there is a peace that defies logic. Have y'all ever been there before in a situation and, you know, everybody's just, you know, it's, it's DEFCON 4 emotionally and God's peace is just on you. That's, that's God's promise that God will meet us in every storm of our life, that God will take us through those storms, and that God will continue to lead us toward mental, emotional, and spiritual health. That is a promise from the God of heaven. Peace, remember, peace on earth. Not peace later when you leave, but peace right here and right now. And we might wonder, okay, well, that sounds amazing. How do I access it? How do I embrace this peace? Great question. Just go to the first part of the angel song, right? Uh, we already know peace is our promise. Well, the way we get it is we give glory to God. We give glory to God according to the pattern of Revelation 4 and 5. All right, we're going to test you now. Uh, that worship service in heaven, Revelation 4 and 5, uh, when does that thing start and when does that thing end? It's day and night night and day. You know, y'all know that song, right? Let incense arise. But that it's day and night, night and day. It's unending praise. We're invited into unending praise as a Christian. And what's so beautiful is it isn't limited to nine to 10. Or maybe if we have a worship night or a prayer night, we, we're called to give God praise and to worship him all day, every day. That's one of the things I love about prayer. You know, I can drive my car. Now, this is fascinating. I can drive my car and talk to the Lord, right? I can walk to work and I can talk to Jesus. Things might happen to my family. I don't know what's going on. I can bring that to God at any time I want to. We can pray with, without ceasing like the Word of God says. Thanksgiving, right? Just today. Man, what a bummer. I can only, I can only give thanks one day of the year around the table. with No, absolutely not. We are called to give God thanks at all times. You know, look around and see our family. Lord, thank you for Jane and those kids. God, thank you for this, this Christian family I have. Lord, thank you for this blessing. Even in the storm, we've said this before, you know, you're in the middle of a storm. It seems like a weird time to give thanks. So Lord, I'm just being beaten up and knocked around. Thank you for this. No, Lord, I thank you that you are in this storm with me. I thank you that you will deliver me. I thank you that, that you're doing a beautiful work you're never going to stop doing. We can do that with God. That's worship. You know, we can also sing anytime or whistle like I like to do. You know, just there, there's no limits on that. But it's just an invitation to keep, keep God's name in our hearts, on our minds, and in our mouths at all times. Dr. Seuss, right? Pray here, there, and everywhere. You know, we just get to worship like that. And we get to worship God like that because he is worthy. When you look at his, his attributes, his character, he is so worthy of our praise. I mean, there's a, you can't even second place anybody to God when you look at his attributes. But there's also this creation. And look at what God has made. Look at the world we get to enjoy. And I made a joke about Morgan blowing kisses to himself. Look in the mirror and rejoice that you are made in the image of God. That we, I mean, look to your neighbor. We are wonderfully and fearfully made by the hand of, hand of God, handcrafted. And then, of course, 
there is that fact that he died for us. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their lives for a friend, or in our case, a stranger or an enemy of God. That's what Jesus has done. He is so worthy. God is so worthy of our praise. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, I thank you that that you have left your peace with us. We just thank you for who you are, God. And Lord, right now, for all of us, just as we look back at who you are and what you've done, what you've made, your presence in our lives, God, there's so much there to praise you for. We just want to thank you, especially in this season, for your peace. And so we just take a moment right now to just stop. And breathe in your peace. Just receive your peace. Jesus, you are our Prince of Peace. And I thank you that you've called us to walk through this world with hearts that that don't stay troubled, with a demeanor that doesn't stay downcast. Father, we receive, Jesus, we receive your peace today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just minister Just minister your wholeness, your life, your peace to us. You are so worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.